Hello and welcome to another episode of A Fresh Perspective here on Heavenward Thinking. Today we're continuing in Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 22. So I'll read that and we'll get right into today's conversation. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was eighty-four. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. So as we look at this next section in the book of Luke, what do you see here that strikes you uh, with a fresh perspective? Well, I think, I mean, it's important to understand that God... Uh, was affirming all of this in multiple different ways. Mm. Right? So we, we talked last time about the Christmas story and all the different characters and finding yourself in that. And, and then it moves on to, you know, this, this scene of people who had been promised that they mm. wouldn't die, right? People who recognized uh, what God was doing, seemingly in tune with God. These are all super important things, right? That, again, people who are affirming this story, people who are affirming that God told them exactly what was going to happen or that they were going to get to see this or that they were going to be a part of this or just what was in them, the spirit that was in them was, was you know, communicating, you know, truths, mm. right, about what God was doing, that God is constantly doing this. When he's getting ready to move, when he's getting ready to work, he's communicating to, to the weirdest and the oddest of people. Mm. There's no reason that these people should know other than, hey, we know that in eight days, Jesus is going to come to you. Right? Mm. So he's ahead of time, right? Again, if this had been any other time, none of this would have happened. Mm. Right? He would have been he would have been dedicated, not necessarily maybe in the temple, but in the synagogue or wherever. Like none of this would have happened. But God was way ahead of the game in this. Absolutely, and it's amazing as we look through this. As you said, all these are affirmations of what God's plan is, of what He's doing, of the promises that He had already made throughout the Old Testament, and then to Mary and Joseph. And He continues to just reaffirm and show that there is something special about this Jesus. There's something special about this baby that He is going to become the. Messiah, and we see here uh, that he uses unlikely people in Simeon and in in Anna, and we see that he he includes these people in here that we wouldn't probably include this old man, this old woman who, who maybe wouldn't have been honored in, in a culture like this, 
in the way that they're honored here. They get to be some of the first to see and recognize who Jesus really is and what God really is going to do. Uh, and it gives us a little glimpse right off the bat of what Jesus is going to do, who he is, what God's going to do through him. He's going to be a light for revelation and the glory of the people of Israel. He is going to be the Son of God, become the Messiah. And it's important to, to get this glimpse so that we understand throughout Jesus' ministry who he is and, and what he's going to do. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think it's very interesting because you have Simeon here who is someone who was looking forward to God, what God was going to do, right? So it's, it's it's no wonder that God included him in the plan. He was looking to God, looking forward to God. Mm. And then you look at Anna, and I just always laugh because it's another women's lib moment, right? Mm. It's another moment where God used a woman in an unlikely position at that time, in an unlikely place, a prophetess is what mm. Ryan says, to be a part of this story. But when you start breaking it down, what I love is in Simeon's, right? The whole first section is this is what God said and he saw the Messiah. And now he says, oh, I can die now. You know, you get this whole big thing. But then when you pick it up in verse 34, like this is where the meat of what Simeon's about. Mm. He's going to make a declaration, right? But this is a crazy declaration, right? It's indeed this child, right? Is the going to be, is destined to cause the fall and the rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed, right? Mm. So you look at this whole thing and you say, this is not the way that people would have thought it. From the mm. very beginning, Simeon says, yeah, you know what? People are going to oppose the Messiah. People mm. are going to oppose God's plan. And, and sometimes we think, the fresh perspective, I think, of thinking heavenwardly is sometimes God is speaking down to us and says, listen, the plan, the purpose, the destiny I'm going to put within you, there are going to be people who oppose it. Mm. It seems crazy. That God's own people were going to be opposed to how he was going to take care of them. But we, we look at that, we see that even way back in Egypt, mm. right? The people started mumbling and grumbling and tumbling all around, right? Thinking, oh, you know, like this isn't how we wanted it to be, right? Th this is important. But, but even he goes a step further and Simeon looks at, at Mary and says, he's even going to pierce your heart. Which means there's mm. nobody... Nobody, even the closest to Jesus, handpicked by God, everybody has to deal individually with what they're going to do with Jesus. Mm, and that's going to be a theme throughout the book of Luke, is seeing what each individual does with Jesus. How do they respond with what Jesus is teaching, with what he's doing, and what he's going to do, and what his mission truly is. And we're going to see that throughout the book of Luke. But as you said, it's, it's a powerful declaration because it goes against what we think. We think that if God showed up, then everyone would just be perfectly united together, and that they would all come together and just love whatever God's doing, and it would be this great, big, unifying moment. Uh, but we see even uh, when Jesus eventually describes his ministry, he explains that he came to bring a sword he, that would divide people, that there would be people uh, where you'd have families divided against each other because they wouldn't agree on Jesus. There'd be people who would be called to Jesus and there'd be people who would reject Jesus and not accept that call. So we're going to see uh, this falling and rising happen powerfully in the people of Israel, just as uh, Simeon is saying here, that there's going to be an uprising. There's going to be a big movement, but there's going to be people who oppose him just as much as there's going to be people who love what he's saying, even though they don't fully grasp it during his ministry. But there's going to be this division, and there's going to be, as you said, each person having this difficult choice. What are you going to do with Jesus? 
Right, you know what? I also think you know the ending statement. I don't remember what yours says, but my version says at the end of thirty-five there that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Mm. Listen, Jesus is is not here, right, to cover up things and wish. He's here to reveal, and we forget that word. That word revealment is so important in the ministry of Jesus. He's revealing the true hearts of men and women mm. and children. Why? Because he wants nobody to perish, right? And so he wants us to have freedom. And, and again, we live in a church culture that means, listen, if you can pretend like you're perfect, then you can serve in church. If you can pretend you have it all together, then you can serve in church. And, and God said, that's not what's going to happen in real church. Mm. In real church, people's thoughts, the thoughts, not, not just the words and the action, the thoughts are going to be revealed. Why? Because Jesus wants you to be pure and right and holy and all these things. Mm. So he's constantly going to reveal that, right? Not necessarily to everybody out in the public. He's going to reel, reel it to you. You're going to know where you really are. The, the truth of the matter is all of these people ran into a baby Jesus and instantly had to deal with what they were going to do with Jesus. Mm. That's no difference than, than what we do as adults. right? We're not, we're not running the, the people coming up through. They're running into the grown-up Jesus. right? And they have to still do the same thing. Look at all the times that Jesus reveals to people where they really are in life, mm. right? And then and then Anna does the same type of thing. But I, I love the wording, right? Because in verse 38, it says, at that very moment, she came up, began to thank God. That's the first thing we ought to do. That's right there is a fresh perspective. Why don't you start with thanking God rather than the list? Mm. But then he says, and to speak about about him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem from the very beginning. God's concept was Jesus is available to everybody, but only the people who really want this mm. are really going to get it. Mm. I think it's the same way today. Right? You've got to really want Jesus to get it. Mm. Yeah, you got to be looking forward to that. And that comes with that heavenward thinking perspective. Yeah. Uh, these people had a different perspective than the other people around them. They were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem, just as we, as Christians today, are looking forward to Christ's second coming and to the redemption of our whole world. So we have to be looking for something different. We have to have that different, fresh perspective, that different thinking of heavenward thinking, where we're looking for what Jesus is going to do. Uh, and uh, I love how you mentioned uh, the important point of the thoughts of many hearts being revealed because that's what Jesus came to do. He came to get to the heart of the matter, the, the literal heart of the matter, not to all the superficial things uh, that we like to do in churches today. It was the same with the religious leaders back then. They thought they could have it all together by pretending uh, to be holy, that they could have this power to exercise over people and they would have this honor and this position because they could just pretend that they were perfect and they could keep these uh, superficial rules while not keeping any of the rules that mattered of their heart and their hearts weren't pure it was it was purely out of selfishness and purely out of their own ambitions their earthly way of thinking and the same goes for our churches today most of us as christians have been taught to pretend that we have everything together to pretend that we're these great perfect human beings uh, that we are just amazing that we love everybody perfectly at all times and we're just willing to do whatever is right uh, but we don't really have that in our hearts and so it's important for us to realize like this passage shows us that, that christ came to uh to get to what is behind our actions that's our hearts to, to really reveal our thoughts our not just our, our thoughts but everything in our life he's going to reveal that and, and we're going to see that throughout the book of luke as we see in this chapter so i think there's a lot here in this section that really points us to what jesus mission was 
and how that's going to uh, be fulfilled in the rest of Luke. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I hope you've been challenged and encouraged on Luke chapter 2, the second portion, and we're, con- we're going to continue next week with the final portion of Luke chapter 2. So join us next time for another episode of A Fresh Perspective here on Heavenward Thinking.